0: Why aren't you blind? Forty-five thousand dollars a month. And why aren't you blind and your hands cramping
1: like a buzzing noise? Yeah, Holding
0: a vibrator for six hours
1: a day. Oh. Interesting uh, parallel there. I mean, yes and. Last weekend. uh (laughs) Let's explore that for a while.
0: Hi everyone and welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity and culture and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith and I'm joined as always every week by my co-host Alex Adams.
2: Hi Jai! How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm
0: very good. I'm a lot more sober this podcast than I was on Friday's yeah, podcast. Yeah, I was going
2: to ask you, I'm like, were you slurring in your I got home and I was like, mm, Jai was really drunk on our podcast. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> to who? <laughs> to myself in the elevator on the way yeah. Home. yeah
0: I'll yeah. have to edit that one fairly um, carefully. Are we going
2: to tell our listeners what you did last night? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, yeah. I got a tattoo on his leg um, because it was free. And <laughs> someone said, hey, do you want a free tattoo? And I said, no, but tattoo my friend Jai and so we went and watched you get a tattoo in a bar.
0: I did, yeah. After three hours of drinking, sitting with other strangers, getting tattooed, trying not to look like it was hurting, like I'm a big baby with all my tattoos. Was it hurting?
2: Because you looked like you were in the zone, you were concentrating.
0: Well, I was a little drunk and it did hurt a lot and...
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You went to a special place. Is that why you're like, bring me more? Yeah. Just just bring me (laughs) another drink. That is a good
0: Instagram story. I read, saw that again. And I'm like, that could be an ad.
2: Oh, really? I created good content. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Um, So I think I've talked about this with you before, but when I was at uni, I had quite possibly the, the coolest job. I was a Red Bull student brand manager. And it was basically my job to rock up on campus and... Throw parties, essentially. Did I,
0: you drive one of those cars?
2: I did in the holidays, yeah. So when I was at uni, I drove those the minis or the b dubs and mm. handed out Red Bull and went to all sorts of really cool places and met lots of amazing people. In fact, not engaged or planning on getting married. Yeah, but if I ever do and I have a bridal party, my three bridesmaids will all be Red Bull girls.
0: What? Will yeah. they wear the same outfit? Will um, they wear yeah, the we'll backpack to- <laughs> and the bikini? <laughs> was have- it a bikini?
2: We didn't wear a bikini. No, Are we weren't sure? those kind of promo girls. We always respected uh-uh. ourselves. We were all about, you know, they had a really amazing recruitment process there where it was all about people who were interested in different extreme sports and culture and we were all very like-minded. Anyway, one person that I met there who I worked with really closely was a guy named Tom sigelski and I never... Forgot him because he was quite a character, but also who's going to ever forget the last name Sigelski? And he was at Red Bull for 17 years in various different marketing roles. And the last role that he had at Red Bull was the global head of insights and people development in Austria, where he led a team of 35 country based culture managers to implement different country specific culture marketing plans, and since then he's moved back to Australia, he's started his own business, which is called The Human Sherpa, um, which we're going to hear a little bit more about shortly. Thanks. Welcome to the show, Tom. Hey, thanks.
1: thank you for having me. Amazing (laughs) to be here. Great to see you guys. And this is, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Because do you know Tom was my client? Yes. Yeah.
2: Really randomly. We both knew Tom separately. Bedroom
0: Jam, right? Bedroom Jam, yeah. Yeah, Social stuff. Yeah, back in 2010, Mm -hmm. when social was still you know, cowboy fucking nonsense. (laughs) I think it went all right. I think the second one went better than the first one from memory. I
1: mean, you live and learn.
2: (laughs) Bedroom jam?
1: Yeah. Great question. (laughs)
2: Okay. (laughs) Disguised
1: as a statement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It
0: was an online battle of the bands for kids under 18.
2: Mm. And the the
0: whole uh,
1: bedroom jam thing was um, they would upload a, a music video to the website. Uh, and each week there would be voting on on the music that was uploaded, and if you were at the top of the table at the end of the week or month, mm. I do not remember exactly. Probably month. Um, uh, we would send a crew to one of the band members' houses and record the video, uh, the music video, professionally in their bedroom. That's
2: yeah. so cool. That was, that was how it worked. Yeah. Did you come up with that idea? No. Wow, that's a great idea. But I'm going to claim it. For the yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a- actually. I'm seeing the guy who I think came up with that idea, but. I- uh, the podcast
2: isn't about him. Sorry. dry, let's talk about. <laughs> that. I'll talk about,
1: Tom. I'll talk about it later. <laughs> we'll
2: take that off Um, <laughs> So, can you tell us, like, what
1: you do? Mm.
2: <laughs> How would you describe what you do?
1: Um, so, I, I've been uh, working on this for the last three and a half years, um, and trying to get to a point where I can, you know, if I was to speak to my my grandma, I could explain to her in a sentence, and she go, "Oh, that's interesting. Tell me." that. Um, but it's a work in progress. I guess what, what I do now is is consult two different businesses on strategy development um, and also learning design and, and workshop facilitation. So the two kind of sit alongside each other in you know um, often is the case that strategy development uh, is, is created by you know the leaders of business or a senior team uh, and then the rest of the business is just told this is the strategy and I kind of help bridge the gap between those two through uh, creating immersive learning experiences and facilitating those um, for, for other people within that business. So it's really it's a consultancy that's focused on uh, strategy, people development, and, and in some cases, partnerships. Uh, Does your it, grandmother understand that? Yeah. Not really, no. No. <laughs> Like I said, it's a work in
2: <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, we're going to delve into this and learn a bit more. I'm going to yeah. ask you for some examples, but I can imagine it takes a t- certain type of organisation or certain leadership team to be able to accept someone externally coming in and helping them with that strategy because I can imagine a lot of leaders in leadership roles, they would think, well, I know I've been put in this job to mm. create this and and roll it out. Why do I need you? Mm-hmm. So... Is that you're someone that people don't even realise that they need until you're there?
1: I think in some cases uh, the the process or the, the the ideal scenario is, of course, to have someone who's quite open and willing to have the conversation about what their perception of strategy is, or people development is, or mm. internal culture, or whatsoever. Um, someone who's willing to have a conversation and present their perspective, but also allow for other inputs on that mm. on that subject matter from whether it be internal stakeholders or in the in the case of something like a culture marketing strategy listening Mm -hmm. to an audience or audiences as well as garnering insights and all that sort of thing so um where there's an openness and a willingness to to do that it's it's great Um, and in other cases it's a matter of sort of treading quite quite gently it's uh, Mm -hmm. i've got a, a i guess a mantra not a mantra a process of um ask more questions make less statements yeah. Mm. Help people get more comfortable with the concept of exploring and investigating. It's, it's very closely associated with the, the concept of design thinking. Yep. Um, so it's this idea of, you know, another one that I have is, you know, alongside ask more questions, make less statements is, you know, slow down to speed up. Yeah. Invest mm. time up front to fully understand what's actually going on and what people are actually feeling, thinking, doing, behaving whatsoever um, and formulate from there.
2: And is the culture usually internal culture within an organisation or is it how to shape a culture externally as an organisation?
1: Absolutely. So um, it's both for me at the moment. So in some cases, it's um, actually in one case, which is, you know, to be confirmed, so let's not name names, but um, (laughs) I sat down uh, with, uh, let's call it their head of marketing um, and the remit was we'd love to integrate our brand in, a, in an authentic way into popular culture which involves, you know, premium social experiences as an example. Um, and in line with that, um, the second brief was and I'd love you to have a think about and work on the development of a strategy that we could put in place for our team yeah. so that they're in a process of development that's connected with both that strategy and the other things that are going on in the business yeah. So it's, it is a mixture of both. Um, for me, more predominantly these days, um, so Red Bull days was very uh, externally consumer-focused around mm-hmm. culture marketing, popular culture. Um, these days, I think it's, it's more predominantly focused internally. So whether that's sort of coaching one-on-one or working with leadership teams or working with broader businesses mm. on different topics, it's, it feels like it's more internally focused, which has come from you know, my last three years with, with Red Bull was up in Austria wearing lederhosen to the office (laughs) only on Fridays Um, uh, and you know my my role up there was um, up there Uh, (laughs) interesting Um, my my role there was moved away from you know being directly responsible for the creation and execution of consumer facing marketing plans to working with teams that were doing that across 40 different markets um, along with consumer insights and commercial partnerships and um, uh, learning design workshop facilitation. So it was about, you know, I, I have used the word in the past, optimization, but it feels like a bit of a wank. Um, so it was more about supporting the behind-the-scenes process so that people had what they need, be it strategy, be it skills, knowledge, experience, be it, you know, uh, financial contribution to their project so mm. that they could realise a more successful outcome. Mm. And is that because...
0: Um, People can kind of get locked in their own organization, and you're kind of that interpreter
1: between bringing culture outside back in. Yeah, I think. I mean, again, you, there's there's a for me at least there's a there's a um, it's it's you need to be quite delicate with that. But yes, yeah. it is. Um, you know, often is the case whether I'm running workshops or doing coaching or sharing some insights that might help um, shift perspectives in a positive way. Um, you know, from a workshop perspective, for example, you'll get some feedback saying, you know, it was really nice to have an external perspective and discussion being led by someone who's not necessarily got that agenda or that Mm -hmm. um that remit or the context as well so pulling people out of the everyday context to kind of lift their head up and have a bit of a look around um is is where that role can be quite
0: powerful and is this a is, is this more happening more and more lately or is it something that's always been done and probably more important now
1: um, <clears throat> I would say, I mean, it depends how you define lately, but yes. Um, Five years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I would say that both by way of external consultants um, supporting and, and helping to provide insights to business so that they're more effective in the space, as well as, um, you know, you look at the amount of high-level uh, people in culture roles that are advertised, which is I would imagine is only a small percentage of what's actually available, mm. uh, these days is substantial. Um, yeah. I saw on um, LinkedIn recently Canva was advertising for an internal coach. Yeah, I saw that. Right. Yeah, and, they, and they were looking for a specific type of coach, which is a meta-coach. And this is...
2: What's a, f- a meta-coach? It's
1: a, Well, it's, it's based in neuro-linguistic programming. Um, mm. So which is a communication model. Like NLP. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, right. So they're looking for a specific style for someone to come in full time to be a part of that team as well as support every other person within that organisation. That, wow. That's a phenomenal uh, advancement. I mean, they're very forward-thinking. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, yes, it is more predominant. And I would say that um, ever increasingly business is becoming more and more people-focused.
0: And is that because um, as we see more and more things become automated, therefore our emphasis on kind of those human skills is becoming higher?
1: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, I think that there's uh, – yes, sorry. Right. Um, sure. Yeah, I think absolutely that the, 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 the roll-on of technology, the digitization of process whatsoever um, is – Leading to obviously a changing landscape yep. um, for employers and employees, um, and you know there's there's a part to play with uh, engaging and better understanding your workforce and how those skills could be potentially repurposed in the advent of you know the changing changing market, so to speak. So it's it's. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a highly um, – it's a hot topic at the moment for sure and at the moment last five years and will continue to be. Mm. Um, and I think as far as sort of the future of work is concerned, mm. will play a massive role in maintaining and further evolving what people are doing, where yeah. they're focusing their energy and effort and, of course, managing the changing landscape when it comes to digitization or automation. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What do you think will be the um – most sought-after jobs in organisations in, say, like 10 years' time?
1: Yeah. Um,
2: as things do become more automated and Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, my, my, my head goes to my heart. Um, the roles that need both head and heart, uh, I don't see as being replaced by any sort of technology in, in the near or medium future, mm. maybe into the far. Um, never say never, you know, that old chestnut, but... <clears throat> so the idea of um, you know creatively focused roles um, caring for humans um, mm. uh, the idea of you know people development and human interaction behaviors associated with that evolving the concept of leadership I don't see that as being able to be automated at all so um, those roles where you know, you know hands it's kind of uh, I saw I was reading something a couple of weeks ago it's it's hands to head to heart.
2: Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's
1: that sort of evolution that I see happening. Um, and I was actually uh, at a at a workshop recently. We had a keynote speaker. Her name was Rachel Robertson. Not was is. She's still with us. <laughs> um, uh, Rachel Robertson and um, amazing human. And uh, was charged with the responsibility of running an Antarctic uh, research laboratory. Hmm. Um, and it's a while ago now for her, a, a few years at least. I would say probably closer to ten. Um, and the way that they recruit to be part of that um, setup is via a newspaper advertisement. Mm. But it's not in the recruitment um, websites or pages or whatsoever. It's literally like an ad in the classifieds, and, and the ad basically reads, you know, we're, we're hiring on character and, you know, behavioural responses and who you are as a person, how you be, not what you can do. Yeah. A uh, mm. human being, not human doing. Uh, because they can teach you, or that the, the remit that they have is that they can teach you the rest. Yeah. yeah. You know, we can teach you how to put out a fire in a lab, or <laughs> we can teach you how to manage this situation, but when you've got 18 people in <laughs> the darkness for six months of the year, yeah. you've got to be able to navigate human beings. Yeah. And that's the... the and
0: thing. I guess the newspaper's the first qualifier. Like, who's still picking up a newspaper? Right. Who's still looking at the classifieds? Absolutely, yeah.
1: mate. Was that... Well,
2: to me, that sounds like they're looking for an older demographic.
1: Well, it could be that or it could be um, someone who seeks information or input or stimulus from multiple sources. Do you not think
2: there's just... a 25-year-old who picks up a newspaper, though?
1: N- Every maybe, Al. Well.
2: Interesting. Maybe If, there's, falls, if you're maybe a 25-year-old listener and you read a newspaper, let us know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know who it asked to. Is all the cool. PR agencies. They make yes. all their interns read all the fucking newspapers.
2: <laughs> you're a PR intern. So, yeah, right.
0: uh, what do we do with you? And they're trying to scroll through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop messing
1: all the paper yeah. up. Yeah. No, Double you've actually got to turn things. the page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, you know, maybe it is an older demographic, but- um, a while ago now but Rachel, interesting
2: though yeah great really interesting super
1: cool and i think you know um, looking into the future and prioritizing who people are is a great way to, to establish a culture that you want to have and i think
0: i think the default there the, were well, there's two big arguments that you know i've kind of heard around the same argument is that yes creative skills and kind of right brain skills are going to become so important mm. and yes we're leaving that mantra on the That idea that you're either left brain or right brain, and we know we've got preferences
1: or biases. Or biases, yeah, (laughs) probably more accurate.
0: But what is the? How are people? And you know, this is again probably anonymize what you say. But how are traditional, more left brain companies and entire organizations dealing with this? If no one identifies like that, is it a matter of? Not using words like creativity and empathy and all those sorts of things, and actually reframing their kind of logical and analytical skills as being still creative, or because for me, I see some organ and you know having worked at PwC, yes, there are rooms full of people who will just become small microchips soon.
1: Yes, As yes. Exaggerated, but yeah, yeah. Look out! But um, they don't
0: like the idea of being creative.
1: Yeah, so I think you know that the. Um, I was thinking about this um, when uh, you guys invited me to to come and do the podcast and, you know, the idea of maker and creator, right? Like, Mm. um, are they essentially the same thing or or could a maker be a very left-brain, logical yes and then creator is the strategy, big picture, blue sky whatsoever? Um, I think creativity can come from from anywhere. Um, You know, if you think about decision making process or coming up with a new idea um, there's some thoughts and ideas around who should be in the room for that you know, they talk yeah. about five or seven people and at least two of those people not having any real knowledge about the subject matter that you're talking about and then having three or, or uh, four I'll get there in the end arithmetic <laughs> three or four people that are experts so mm-hmm. that you start to have a bit of a different discussion and, and freshen your perspective so you, I think you know left brain right brain Get that there's a departure from that, and that some businesses are, are, you know, very predominantly in in one space or the other. Letting go of the idea that mm. um, you need to be a certain type of person or a, a style or a character or have certain sets of experience in order to be creative is such an important. Yeah. Um, well, it's a massive opportunity. Uh, yeah. You never know. And and I was just about to say something like. No, get the legal counsel in. You never know where a great idea could come from. <laughs> but that's exactly contributing to the issue at hand. Yeah. So it's uh, almost about forgetting. It is.
0: Because we're asking the wrong question. If we right. start with, are you left or right brain or are you this department or that department?
1: Absolutely. It's like, don't come in here with, uh, I don't know, um, Flo, class, he's an amazing human, a very a gentleman and super intelligent, was my boss in Austria. Um, and calling him a boss is a bit shit he was he was a colleague. He was someone who I interacted with and learned a lot from and all that sort of mm. thing. He had a massive remit of "Leave your ego at the door mm. and, and don 't worry if you don 't know the answer just say you don 't fucking know the answer yeah <laughs> let 's not be afraid of this you know if we 're assuming and pretending then we 're never going to get where we want to be yeah uh, definitely not going to get to the essence um, so you know that idea of Setting that up in a way, um, and you know, there's a concept of around. And I mean, you both will know this, but around facilitation called navigating, right? So, how can you navigate people into a place where they feel safe? Yeah, you know, let's just let go of that. Let's just go after this thing, what whatsoever. So, I think you know, even businesses like um, the one that you've referred to. <laughs> 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 um, a, have have the potential, provided yeah. they're, they're willing to to let let go a little bit. Yeah, I think.
0: Well, I think that's what we also you know because that was a part of an acquisition where they bought an ad agency, then they brought people like me in to run that stuff mm. as an employee. That was before I started uh, my own consultancy. Yes, but then they would divide us all into conquer and say, "Well, we need some of these people, and some of that people." And I always had the same thought: I'm like, "Well, if we keep treating everyone over that side of the room like they don't belong on this side of the room, then." Mm. We're going to hold ourselves back.
1: Mate, absolutely. So uh, another thing <laughs> that I have is the, idea, the, the concept of um, behaviours matching expectations. Yeah. All right. So uh, if you're expecting uh, for huge amounts of innovation and creativity, uh, but you're behaving in a way that doesn't necessarily foster that mindset in the people that you're asking for that from, then what are you doing? mate? Change your behaviour or change your expectations. Yeah, um, so.
2: It's like Lizzie Hammer, we had her on uh, an episode. Remember, she said that whenever she gets her team, like one time she just brought in all these ridiculous hats, and she was like, everyone, put on a stupid hat. Because the minute everyone's got this stupid hat on, no one is saying anything stupid because we all look ridiculous. So everyone <laughs> or lets everyone's their guard saying out. everything's stupid yeah. and we're all
1: comfortable with being dicks. Exactly.
2: As soon as you all look stupid, <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, let's just have whatever. Hey, Dropping well, your guard.
1: Absolutely. And and environment is such a massive Huge, right? massive yeah. influence. So the the uh, when I was in Austria I reworked the, the onboarding for the team that I was working in. So people that were new starters um would come to this five day workshop, which is unheard of um, as far as that amount of time out of the business. But, you know, and we would be up in this mountain hut in the Austrian mountains. There's uh, couches, there's, um, you know, soft toys on the ground, there's leopard rugs, which are like toys. Are you sure this was work? This sounds like <laughs> a, <it's> a party. <laughs> <I> wait, is <laughs> this was a Danny uh, John's patio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just like the amount of environment. Mm. Right? We had like tube lighting on the ground. Everyone walks in and goes, you know, like, okay, cool, I'm, I'm establishing or at least feeling a bit safer about the amount that I can interact with and share in this space. And yeah. there's such a massive, massive in- impact uh, when it comes to setting someone's mindset.
0: One of the interesting conversations, and actually even just sitting here thinking about it that I've been having recently, um, was about the idea of the third space. So yep. that idea that we have a space at work and a space at home mm-hmm. and then that space in the middle, which is kind of a combination of both and mm. why why we build our offices to feel like homes and why it's an important part for us to change our feeling about it. So we don't. We know when we walk into a clinical space and then like it the, the feels like an old corporate office that's boring, whereas you're coming in somewhere like here and it feels, obviously still professional, but it feels more homely and inviting and but how important in, that in is. Interesting. Yeah. I are mean,
1: like, what's going on in here? <clears throat> like, that, that idea of fostering curiosity through an environment mm. is... How long have you been here? What was here before? These are the conversations that we yeah. had yeah. before we started recording, right? It's that, And, and to your point, mate, the, the idea of home versus office, um, consider how much time we invest in creating our home to be the space that we want it to be. Mm. And in some cases, yes, you get to invest that much time or at least a, a, a substantial portion of that in your office space. But if you're in a more traditional environment, it's, it's not much at all. Yeah. It? Doesn't, it depends what you're trying to achieve, but if you're trying to achieve a level of creativity, then find a space that you can set up that helps foster that.
0: And then the, I think the other thing I was reading was around the idea that by 2025, half the US workforce will be freelance anyway. Yeah, So where a huge are we, number. Yeah, where are we going to put them all? Oh, it doesn't matter because none of them will be in here anyway.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think um, there's the amount of office – even if you just think about Sydney – the amount of office space that, that is in the CBD that's not just going to disappear and therefore yeah. it's not just going to be empty either uh, mm. or even repurposed, I would suggest. But yes, there's a huge number of... Um, well, forecasts indicate that there's yeah. a huge number of people that are, are going to be in that situation, which is interesting uh, both from a, you know environmental standpoint as far as where they're working and how they're interacting, shared workspaces, etc etc but also thinking about... You know, when you bring together a bunch of in inverted commas strangers, how do you get them to connect quickly and effectively yeah. and in a and way authentically
2: that's authentically as
1: well? So, this idea having, having strategy around that stuff, it's not hard. No. It's just about thinking about it and planning for it. So, you know, if we want a bunch of people who've never worked together to come in uh, and the first thing we say to them is, right, what are your ideas? Uh, it's, it's just set up poorly. So, consideration around internal culture or strategy around creating that and creating it quickly and in a way that makes it feel inclusive is, is super important.
2: You've obviously liked the culture at Red Bull because you spent 17 <laughs> years there. Like, that's <laughs> unheard of. Yeah. 17 I didn't even get a gold pen,
1: mate. What? <laughs> what did they, what they <laughs> give you you They just you? give are you a you can laugh? of Red Bull on the no, way out. actually, do you know what? I actually, <laughs> I actually um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I got a uh, – I'm mad on, on technical pencils. What? Yeah, like a German-designed. So I got this amazing. It's it's just a pencil at the end of the day, okay. but it's not just got pencil. a pencil. You
2: did 17 years, and you got a pencil. But it's it's.
1: Do you know what Tom? Was did very, you do a good job at this? Also, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't get an eraser either, so, um, uh, or a rubber. Um, the so it was actually quite extremely thoughtful. Flo, who I referred to before, (coughs) he knew that I had this passion around sort of stationery and whatever, which fits because now I get to facilitate workshops with truckloads of (laughs) stationery. But he knew about that. And so that's, it was very fitting and very thoughtful. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, no, it's, um, but what I was talking about the culture in
2: 17 years and, you know, I still think I was only there for, I think two or Three in the end which is quite a lot Very Um, memorable yeah, yeah, (laughs) Left an impression Um, and those three years um, I still think were like some of the best times of my life because they created such a great culture and you know you talk about taking five days out of the office I remember when I first started we would go away um, over a weekend and Mm. with all the other uni students and even having the foresight to reach out to you know on campus influential types whether they're sporty or Mm. you know they're like social sort of people and have them as part of your marketing strategy was just so advanced for the time Mm. what cultural elements do you did you love uh that they had at red bull that you you would want to try and implement in other companies or just you've taken away and you really liked about it
1: yeah um i mean in the early days uh early days um so i i started i remember quite clearly i started on the 17th of july 2000 which Mm. was a couple of months obviously before the the sydney olympics um and, you know, the, the vibe around the – or the, the, the momentum around the brand was a massive. It was absolutely massive because mm-hmm. it had only been in the country for a few months up until that point. So
2: you were like one of the first employees.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think there was 12 people before me. Okay. Um, and we are in an office down in Double Bay because the guy, Joe Roberts is his name, <laughs> wanted to disrupt <laughs> way before his time, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and upset, you know um, – Affluent folk. Yeah. <laughs> so there was young crew running around with weird haircuts and too many piercings and tattoos and whatever, which, you know, to, to your question, I mean, that was exciting for me. It was like mm. um, I always struggled with authority, particularly at school, and to have an opportunity to get paid to do that was was fun. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was, you know, an interesting time then. Um, and I would say, uh, you know, the willingness to take take risks mm. yeah. on people and ideas was, was phenomenal and that was a real motivator for me to, to stay connected with the brand even through a bunch of politics and challenge and whatsoever and then you know getting up to you know my last few years um, the team that was developed or, or, or that was operating sorry in Austria and the interaction that we had based on who was leading us mm. was without a doubt the most diverse and the most connected team I've ever been part of or seen.
2: Mm.
1: It's phenomenal. Well, I was
0: I was actually going to mention it at some point during the, the sappy thank yous that I tend to give out on these things. <laughs> <laughs> you and and the guys gave us a chance at something that no one had done before. Right. That we didn't you know, I was it was ten years ago. It was a good pitch. I, I was 24. So <laughs> like I mean, and I just went in with two other people who just joined the organization at Weber Shanwick yeah, um, oh, Weber. yeah. yeah. Right. And That's they'd, right, they'd, I was trying to remember the name. Ne- and I bring this up with Ian all the time. He's like, yeah, that, that really threw a spanner in the works, bringing Red Bull in, because then everyone wanted you to keep doing it over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone then wanted to replicate what that was, but I said it was so much, yeah, we had an interesting little team, but it was so much them giving us a chance to be able to do something of, we all just remember no one's done this before. Yeah. And I, I remember looking at you. You look at me, saying, "We'll be okay," yeah, yeah. and me going,
1: "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> and if not, we'll, we'll still be okay. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> but I, I
0: honestly think that set my mindset for how I do everything right. now, in terms of we'll work it out. But more that investment in people who haven't done things before, and it's more again that character-based. You look them square in the eyes, and not even that. I trust you not to fuck up or something, but I trust that if we do, we do, and yeah. it's not just you and me, mm. yeah. but we'll all be okay. No yeah. one's going to drop their bundle about it. And we did, and I, we went through some weird stuff. I remember at some point, like tech broke and other things broke, but it really set my vision for how I should treat other people, yeah. especially my own partners and you know now you know people who hire me to do stuff as 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 their client. Yes,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that idea of you know, Again, the willingness to take risks. Um, and if I go to, again, my time in Austria, the, the, some of the, the key parts of how our team operated was you know, establishing a culture of learning. And the Harvard Business Review uh, published an article quite a while ago now and they talked about the criteria required for that to be in place or, or the things, the stages that people go through in order to ask for help. Mm. And um, the first is trust, having, having strong levels of trust. So to what you were just saying, Jai, that idea of connection, looking each other in the eye and and connecting as humans with the ambition to make something new, innovative, creative whatsoever, you know, having that trust in place is yeah. super key and, and the same holds true with the culture of learning. The second is access. So again, to what you've just been talking about, um, we're going to give this a go and if we don't get it right, we, we all don't get it right, but we're going to be around each other and we're going to look out for each other. And then the third... Uh, Criteria in this article, at least, was around capability, which is quite interesting for mine Right, like if you want to learn something from someone, uh, before I learnt about this article and read it, I would think that you would go to someone who's really, really good at it. But that's not the case at all. You could potentially end up speaking to someone who's not really good at it, but you trust them implicitly because you're willing to show that vulnerability, and you've got access to them. So, yeah. And the other thing was no ego. So yeah. There's no fear of failure, culture of learning, no ego. Those sorts of things were what really Resonated for me And I guess Ended up With me being there For as long as I was
2: I remember At one point When I was there Hardly anyone In the office At head office Had a degree Like you're, did you, yeah. And I, w- I remember, you know, as a, I'd just come out of, you know, I was at university and I was just finishing up my degree and everyone was like, you've got to get a degree or you're never going to do anything. And here I was surrounded by all these successful people in a global company and I think the only person who had a degree was the lawyer, Nick, I think <laughs> Nick his name Brian. was. So w- That's I, right. I hope Nick had a, a degree, but um, no, one else, no one else did. Have like you the seen co- Suits? Huh? Have you <laughs> seen Suits? <laughs> <laughs> the communications manager didn't. Um, you guys in marketing didn't. So, yeah. yeah, it wasn't a criteria for Red Bull that you had to have a degree. Which is,
1: like, I mean, great call out and, and quite interesting in consideration of what we're talking around, about yeah. around, you know, uh, hiring people for culture uh-huh. as opposed to qualification, experience, or maybe not experience, skill. Like, skill, yeah. Pay, on, or on capability. Paper. Right. So, yeah. it's I, – I, I got hired – to work in the on-premise team for Red Bull, standing at a bar yeah. in Manly. Weren't <laughs> you the bar person? Like the so I was working, actually, yeah, there the was a job? bar upstairs and there was a restaurant downstairs and I worked in both. And in this particular case, this evening, I was working in the restaurant and one of the tables I was waiting on uh, wanted to pay their, pay their bill and it was quite early so there wasn't much cash in the till and they wanted to pay with cash. <laughs> Anyone remembers those days? Um, <laughs> and so I had to go upstairs to the bar to get change and literally stood at the bar... Uh, there was a guy standing at the bar, his name's Hayden. I didn't know that at the time. Um, and I was getting change off a mate who was also working, obviously, at the venue. And I turned and went, hey, mate, how you doing? We just started having a chat. And he actually said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, here to see, here to, I'm, looking for, I'm looking for someone or something along those lines. I was like, mate, it gets busy later. You're here pretty early. So just cool down, have a drink. It'll get <laughs> packed, right? There's a band on, whatever. He's like, nah, nah, nah. I'm actually looking for someone to come and work with me. And I was like, okay. Uh, what, what's going on? He's like, I work at Red Bull, and you know, I was doing my fair share of visiting um, places like Sublime at the time, so <laughs> I was, was aware of such things. Um, uh, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, and literally two months before, uh, I'd said to myself, you know, I want to give working as a sales rep a bit of a shot. Um, so cut, cut forward to standing with Hayden at the bar. He's like, I'm looking for someone to join me in the in the on-premise team. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I work I work here, but I don't. Talking, about. yeah. <laughs> Great terminology. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on. Uh, he's like, mate, we we interact with bars on the marketing of this brand. I was like, oh. And we chatted, 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 uh, and I walked back downstairs to give my table their change, but before I did, he said, hey, "Can you ask your boss for five minutes? I'd love to talk to you for a bit longer." <gasps> <laughs> and literally, I went up back upstairs because I knew the manager downstairs quite well. We chatted for five, and uh, a week later, I was working at Red Bull. Really.
2: So, I have a similar story. That is crazy. It must be their recruitment process to meet people in bars. <laughs> So I was at the uni bar at the ranch because I went to um, school at- uh,
1: <laughs> Rancho Relaxo. Yeah, yeah. the
2: ranch because um, I was at uh, Macquarie Uni and Dave Merrick was at the bar in oh. a trucker cap and I also went through a phase of wearing trucker caps. This is like in 2002, 2003, big, sorry. Big year for trucker yep, caps. Yeah, it was a big year. Mm. For, and, and wearing um, UGG boots out of the house. That was also a big thing at the time. And <laughs> was I was it? at the uni bar, I was, and um, I was like uh, the social- um, I was on campus at my college and I was like the social um, events coordinator and mm. someone oh, – Really? Yeah, I find that yeah, hard to believe. I and I was having a beer and someone was like, hey, you should meet this guy Dave. He works at Red Bull. And I was like, oh, that's such a cool company. I'd love to work at Red Bull. And he's like, what do you do at the moment? I'm like, oh, I'm studying but I'm the social person on campus. He's like, well, I'm, I am just got promoted and my job's up for grabs and you, you should Amazing. go for it. And I was like, tell me a bit more about this job that you do. And I was like, yeah. And then he got me to meet Jackie, his boss at the time, <sighs> wow. and – I think you had to put forward two candidates. So he put me forward and then I, he just plucked some kid from his, like, course and put him <laughs> up against me and he briefed me on what to say and what to do and what to wear and <laughs> blah, 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 And then, yeah, I no, got good. the job as well from just chatting That's at
1: amazing. the amazing. So good. So. I mean, the process is considerably <laughs> different these Isn't days. It? Um, Anyone wants you know, a job at a Red is a, boy, just yeah, go to the bar. Just head to the bar. <laughs> no, it's that uh, f- it's forty screens of aptitude testing and all yeah, kinds of nonsense. Really? There's quite a lot. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I would never get a job there now <laughs> if I had to go through that process. <laughs> oh. But yes, um, that, that's how it came about. Amazing that you're in the same boat.
2: Yeah. It must
1: have been some kind of reboot. But again, it's like that they were looking for a certain type of person, not a certain. Yeah. Uh, you've got X degree, or uh, you've worked here or there or whatever. It's the the character uh, was more important, at, especially at the early stages around bringing that brand to life. Yeah, and How
2: developing it, that culture early. Absolutely. Kept... I was going to – sorry, I just got you off. Um, sorry,
0: few, I, I've been scolded for Friday. You, you, get, you, get, you get all the – good the cause go. you were slurring on
2: Friday. <laughs> Very much talk about Friday. I'm sorry to anyone Stop who's listening past, to Friday episode. <laughs> I'll just
0: clean it up so much. i was like, oh, Alex has been you a bit be hard, hard at him. God, yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry to keep asking questions about Red Bull, but obviously you were there for 17 years. Yeah, I mean, I'm really interested because I worked there for a little while. So when there was that tr- tr- transition, when Red Bull was all about extreme sports, and in Australia we really hero we really hero athletes, and we're mm, such a sporty nation and culture. Mm, what happens when it uh, when it moved over and like you weren't so much on sports, you were always more on the cultural side after you got out of on premise mm, running, right? That's right. So. Then th- cool things, like it was all about extreme sports and then I started seeing things after I left like Red Bull Music Academy and it was a lot more of the, the cultural side that was coming mm. through. Um, was that a challenge to break Red Bull into more of that creative side as opposed to the sporty side and be recognised for something other than just being a really cool brand associated to extreme sports?
1: Uh, yes, Ah, okay. <laughs> I, won't, I won't just leave it at that. Of course, <laughs> um, yes, it was, and and I, I, so the, the the culture marketing program, which uh, refers to the integration of the brand into popular culture, so uh, music, dance, film, TV, arts and design, gaming, whatsoever. Sort of mm. um, so the the other end of the other end of the spectrum uh, to to sports marketing, I guess, um, and you know, even even till now I would say that when it comes to playing in the culture space and the the focus has been refined predominantly not not exclusively but predominantly down to music and dance okay. um, working in you know the creative space requires quite a, a I would say a long-term commitment right? mm. whereas uh, and it's not to say that that's not required with sports um, but the consumer facing elements that you see are kind of um, not one hit wonders but they're, they're singular moments often right some of the some of the programs that they run on the sports side like uh, crashed ice or whatsoever are uh, series of events uh, but there's a lot of stuff that just happens once and everyone goes Whoa. it's like that shot of a mm. surfer paddling over a wave at Chopu and just making it everyone gets it straight away it's yep. like that's, that's enough um, by comparison if you have a shot regardless of you know whether it's Kid next door or Kanye West on stage singing into a mic, everyone goes, "eh." You know, that's it's just a it's a bit of more of a more challenging space, and it requires a much longer term commitment. And I think you know, to, to come back to your question around it, it being quite challenging, it was challenging uh, internally, let alone challenging externally. Um, so people understanding it, or even being willing to to explore and investigate it, and the idea of you can watch someone on a 50-foot wave and you get it. Yeah. And you can ask questions because you're human and it's really primal. To understand how a musician produces a certain sound, you're like, well, I'm not really sure about that, so I'm just going to leave that one alone. No?
0: It was that bit – and I remember entirely. yeah, your team was like a tenth and then a fifth the size of the other team. Like I remember that being really clear, but it was that understanding between I know this domain and I know technically why this is difficult. So whether it was – um. What's the DJ one called? The Freestyle. Three-star yeah. in particular. Even with the Battle of Band stuff like that, people didn't understand why that was going to be so important because mm. it was this level of technicality that you needed to understand that world and that culture where a big wave is a big wave.
2: But also Red Bull kind of positioned themselves from the get-go as aligning themselves with extreme sports. Absolutely. And so you associated First that brand. Market. Yeah, they were. That you were associated with that with the brand mm. so then after however many it might have only been three or four years before they saw that the culture angle but mm. then by that point they'd already invested so much in creating that identity around sport so to then to say oh but we're also back in creativity and mm. culture i mean
1: the, the other thing with it is the when it comes to sports marketing it's so well established for brands to mm. be part of that environment and scream about it we're involved here check it out we want you to see this and that's why we're supporting yeah. it yeah Logo when a it shirt. comes to use music, dance, fashion <clears> uh, for a brand, to, especially a brand the size of Red Bull, to come over the top and say, look at us, look what we're doing, mm. the audience goes, well, yeah. you've just got the money, so you're just paying for it if they're well established or if they're not, you're taking advantage of them. So mm. it's, a, it's a much more soft approach and, and that idea of particularly, uh, which has come to the fore in the last six years, seven years for Red Bull, as far as sort of training development and the internal culture of how the brand is built is storytelling
2: so mm.
1: and not just you know content marketing which is what Red Bull's renowned for so yeah. that's played wow. a massive role in helping people understand what's going on I mean stories have been around forever right it's not the it's not a meteor a meteorological event whereby warm air meets cold air and there's electricity it's like, the gods are having a fight you know they're upset mm. they're clashing with each oh okay cool i get it so simplifying the world of culture through stories has been a key part to bringing it to bear, but also splitting it out that it's not just contact marketing,
0: right? And understanding that this isn't a media buy; this is a commitment to a culture or a piece of creativity that has Absolutely. residual value, not just media value.
1: And it's, I think, as well, you know, um, that the process of getting into and understanding a scene or a space or whatever you want to call it, by way of who's involved, who are the key players, who are the ones leading. The, the innovation or the evolution, um, where has it been? Where does it want to go? Mm. How can Red Bull play a role in supporting the the advancement of it? It's not just, um, well, you guys are doing that over there, so we'll just put a logo on it and give you 50 grand and call it call it done. It's what wh- where do you want to be? Like what's going on here? How can we help you get there? Give wings to people and ideas, all that stuff. But mm. it's, it's, a, it's an investment. It's a proper commitment. But your, yeah. And your
0: culture pieces were always not just a little alternative – they were underground cultural movements that Mm. had had no space, no breathing, no funding. But those who that were committed were so committed that you're you're buying that engagement to a degree, but you're buying it with the intention to do something with it. And like everyone's talked about authenticity forever. And when I kind of question people on it, because people stick it in the middle of their sentence all the time and I'm like, stop it. I'm like, if you look at someone who's being authentic, it's about that commitment to their the potential within that idea.
1: Well, they, they also don't say that they're being
0: awesome. Yeah, they generally just, just that right out do it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Don't well, tell me you're awesome. Just do awesome stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Just show me stuff. Don't yeah. say – it's like, I don't know, draw a parallel to a restaurant scenario, which we've referred to earlier as far as how I got my job. Um, there's managers that wear a badge and they wear it very, very loudly and proudly uh, that says manager. And, and then there's managers that you just know. Are the managers? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's the man or the woman <laughs> or the person or the human or whatever term you want to use. But it's the same thing, you know? It's yeah. it's that idea of having the patience and the willingness to commit to it until it makes sense for people to discover it. Amazing. Mm.
2: You've been exposed to so many different um, types of creativity across so many different cultures. Mm. Is like where do you think Australia sits in terms of creativity? Uh, have we got a, a particular strength? Are we really far behind? I mean, what's your what's your opinion?
1: Yeah, that's a a big question. Nice one, thanks, Al. Sorry, um, <laughs> just quietly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're not sta- hold you to state? What's doing? the state of the creative uh, <laughs> landscape? In a, no. I think. Uh,
2: well, I just don't know. What you've been exposed to?
1: Yeah, I, 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 there's clearly amazing stuff as far as all types of creativity when it comes to Australia and, and people that are involved in that space, whether it's fashion or design or whatsoever. Um, I think historically and and maybe in the past, there's been this kind of, um, little brother or little sister syndrome or, or kind of headspace around. Mm. Well, there's, you know, the big players around the world that are leading scenes or established scenes, you know, whether it's the U S or anywhere in Europe or the UK or whatsoever. Um, but there's always been a hugely, a hugely forward-thinking and, and highly creative set in Australia. Um, and, you know, obviously with the advent of technology that allows ideas and information to be shared very, very rapidly, I feel like that's, that's changing. And, uh, you know, the idea of, I don't know, different summits, whether it be like a semi-permanent or forefront that background put on or whatsoever, um, there's a thirst for the people that are attending those events to see more local talent feature mm. and to better understand, mm. you know, their process and, you know, there's a, yeah, cool, that's that over there and, you know, you're the guru or the OG of this particular scene and that's interesting to me but I can read all about you and I can learn all about you myself and I've got access to all of that information. Mm. Um, let, like let's hear from local talent because I know it exists and I'm one of them. Uh, you know, I want to I want to um, interact with and hear from someone that's even closer to home and even more like me, mm. so that it becomes a, a massively inspirational, not aspirational, yeah, piece yeah. of yeah. piece of experience. It becomes that experience It's like, okay, cool. So they're just like me. In fact, they're from here, mm. <laughs> and they're, they're they're doing it. They're getting it done, and they've given me a couple of you know interesting insights or action, whatever it might be. Mm. It's just just closer and there's, I feel like there's a thirst for that. I mean on the educational side of things there's plenty of, plenty of force to say that um, you know, people, people, certain scenes or people involved in certain scenes when it comes to creativity would prefer to have an educational experience than just an experience, mm. help advance where I'm at. You know? yeah. give, me some, give me some tips, tricks, tools, knowledge, direction, insight, whatever it might be. Like there's a massive
2: thirst for that, massive. I think he answered that really well. Yeah. Such a
1: Quietly. <laughs> Being cool. all bashful about it, isn't
0: he?
2: It, yeah. I think that a lot of the time, you know, Aussies are always like, oh, you know, Australians, that tall poppy syndrome, and as soon as someone gets one up and right. he's doing well, we cut them down. But actually... To sort of flip it on its head, we also get behind unearthing hot talent. So think about like Triple J, Hottest 100 or um, sort of their unearthing program or anyone who's a bit of an underdog and is succeeding. Australians love that. They get Mm. right behind it. Mm. So, yeah, there is that. um, I I guess there is that desire to support creatives. I
1: was was looking into the concept of of Australians and the underdog recently, a while ago, Mm. um, and uh, read some stuff. Uh, online, so it's not you know, 100% factually proven, <laughs> it wasn't Wikipedia, it was somewhere else, but um, the idea of the underdog and Australians um, really you know, getting behind the underdog is a little bit different than a, a, a few other more established markets around the world in that um, we'll get behind the underdog and even if they fail, we won't stop supporting them. Mm. Right? Whereas in other markets, other more established markets, they'll get behind the underdog and it's like, well... You know, we kind of knew that was going to happen. So, you know, so yeah. that, that, that's uh. was a key difference that I read about. Again, do your own research. Mm. Um, but that that idea of you know coming together and and you know supporting each other and learning from each other, but in a way that I, I feel it's changed from you know puffing the chest out and proving yourself. It's changed from that to how can we interact with each other to showcase the talent that's available. Yeah. creativity that's happening here. It's a, it's a different mindset, at least in my perception. It's, it's not a, we've got to prove ourselves. It's like, how can we work together to show ourselves?
2: Yeah. Oh, I like that. And I have one last question for you. Um, what do you do as your own creative outlet? You talk uh, about creativity, you're always yeah. working and you know developing on culture. What do you do in your own time? I uh,
1: practice my flip charting skill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the post-it. What do I do? Um, I've... Taught myself to play guitar in in recent times since getting back from from Austria. A friend of mine bought me a guitar. As a, <laughs> bought me a guitar as a farewell present, and I took it all the way to Austria and put it in the cupboard. <laughs> and then came home and started to play it. I was like, oh, okay. so that that's one thing. But I had a and uh, so another thing for me would be um, would be surfing. Yeah, so um, I lived down in Marubra and getting out there and you know, just. Feeling that, and it's almost like a physical form of creativity in that you know you're literally moving yourself in order to have the experience of riding that wave. It's Mm. it's really quite a unique experience. So that that's another one. Um, And now I forgot what
0: I was about to say. Creative cultural outlet, other one. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's it. So I had an experience in Austria with someone who um, was uh, quite in tune with. Human beings, I'm not going to say psychic, but uh, one of the things that um, she said to me was, you know, to your to your question, she was like, you need to do something creative, it's going to help you with, with your daughter, uh, and it's, she was like, so what do you create? And I was like, well, you know, I'll build strategies and uh, run workshops, she's like, great flip top. Um, <laughs> <laughs> come on mate <laughs> yeah. and, and when I was younger uh, I learnt to play the saxophone and she like oh okay cool so maybe music and that's where the whole guitar thing came from uh, it's, yeah. it's interesting uh, like um, I don't know thinking about facilitating workshops the idea of creativity whether it's your full focus or whether it's something that you bring to bear in order to change your perspective yeah, it's no different to like a, a walk and talk when you're running a workshop you know, when you're standing up and walking thinking about a problem or an opportunity or a creative direction it becomes a whole lot easier because it's mm. not your full focus you're actually walking around having a chat mm. so you know, playing your guitar or falling asleep in the bed or standing in the shower or whatever it might be that, that opportunity to unleash your creativity is enhanced by taking the focus directly off that and, and putting it somewhere else It enables that, that to come through amazing what well, if
0: you want a guitar lesson I'll give
1: you Oh, you're guilty. <laughs> <laughs> tom, thank, thank you. you so
2: much for coming on the show. If people want to hear more about the Human Sherpa, um, want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, th- there's only, to my knowledge, one Tom sigilski on <laughs> uh, LinkedIn. Um, so that's where I do most of my stuff um, as far as connecting with different people. So you can get me there or uh, I'm on tom at thehumansherpa.com.au. Would love to have a chat. Amazing. Or hear, or hear your complaints about my perspective.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everything you disagree with me. Yeah.
2: Yes. Tell
1: me what you hate.
0: Go and get a degree. Someone just read
2: Oh, thank you, <laughs> listeners, for uh, tuning into another episode of Maker and Creator. What number did I say this was? 18, eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, 17, 18, something like that. We've only got a couple more episodes in um, season two. So, yeah, go back, listen to some others. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode or you know someone who might, why don't you share that with them? Um, and if you want to hit us up, it's Double Star Co to reach Jai, and I'm Ms. Darlinghurst. That's it. Speak to you next week. Thanks,
1: Bye. Thank, you for me. Thank you. Thank you.